welcome to Church Project. I'll be scanning like this across the room. We're kind of spread out today. Uh, we're glad that you're here. Uh, Church Project is just a gathering of people that love Jesus. And we love the mission of Jesus in this world, and we want to live that out together. So if you're a first-time guest, welcome. We're glad that you're here. We're also a project. We're just an ongoing pursuit to discover what Christ originally intended church to be. So we're trying to feel this out together. We're trying to be the church together um, in 2018, the last few days that we have in 2018. And there was light, he said. So amen. All right. Um, a couple things before we get started. Uh, if you have your YouVersion Bible app on your phone, you can pull that out and just open it up. Our notes for today are on there, and I'd encourage you to download those notes and follow along. Also, uh, obviously, tomorrow is Christmas Eve, and so we printed up a bunch of these little cards, and maybe you'll grab a handful of them and be one of those neighbors that goes to the other neighbor and says, Hey, come to Christmas Eve tomorrow. It would be fantastic. Don't be the person that takes 20 of these and puts them on the windshields at the mall. Don't be that person because that's just annoying. But, but maybe take a few and maybe pray like, God, who might you ask me to go hand this to? And we're going to gather tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Our time is going to be short and sweet. If you've been to any of our Christmas Eve gatherings, like, it's just awesome. I'm even going to wear a tie. And that doesn't happen very often. So come to see me wear a tie. I'm joking. Are you going to be in a tie? No. Okay. Maybe. We'll see. So Christmas is tomorrow. And this is just for husbands in this room. So wives, uh, plug your ears. Um, husbands, there's, there's a thing that happens on Christmas where we give Christmas presents. And if you have forgotten about that, you're running out of time, here's a great Christmas present. Go to the website and, and buy re or register for our Savor Marriage Retreat in February. And so you can do that, just go to our website. All right, so women, you can pull your fingers out of your ears now. Um, there you go. And then one other announcement for, before we get started is we are meeting next Sunday, the 30th. Typically, we take that Sunday off, but we're not. We're going to meet next, next uh, Sunday, so hopefully you can be here for that. All right. So the last few, uh, I would say months, two, two and a half months, we've paused from the book of Acts, and we've gone through a couple short little series. Well, we're jumping back into the book of Acts, and we're going to start again walking verse by verse through the book of Acts. Now, we're at Acts chapter 17, and so if you want to open your Bible today, Acts chapter 17, and we're going to start in verse 10 through 15. This is a part of Acts where it just takes off. Like the, the church is growing, and it just starts taking off. And so I'm going to read these five verses, because I think God has got an incredible message for all of us in this room today. So Acts chapter 17, verses 10 through 15. Let me read it here. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue, now the Berean Jews were of more, more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great earnestness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul was, said was true. As a result, many of them believed and did also a number of the prominent Greek women and many Greek men. But when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, some of them went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. 
Those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. We've jumped into this section of Acts where now Paul and the different disciples and some apostles are now moving rapidly. This gospel message is moving from Jerusalem all the way through to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so we're watching at this time the beginning of the church, and it's gone from this to this, and now it's starting to just go boom. It's going to find its way all the way to Greeley, Colorado, and thank God for that. We get to see how the gospel message takes off at this point. If you grew up in America, um, you played hide and seek. If you didn't, you're not an American. So if you grew up in America, you play hide and go seek, and maybe in other nations they play it as well. I don't know, but I grew up in America, and I'm a really good hide and seek player. I can still throw a mean hide and seek down. My brother and I, when we played, we would go to extremes. And my brother, we, we would hide in our house. Like We knew our house better than our parents. We knew all the, the little corners to hide in, the ledges to jump on, the, where to get on the roof. Like We went extreme with hide-and-go-seek. There was one spot my brother never found me, and it was in my mom's closet because she had a long dress. So I would slip up into the dress. It was hanging in the, in the, you know, on the hanger. I would slip up into the dress. I would stand in her high heels, put it under the dress, and I would just stand. Never found me. That's a great hiding place, okay? Keep that in mind. Hide and seek. If you grew up in America and played hide and seek, you know what hide and seek is. Here's what I want us to know today, especially as we look at this, plus, this passage right here. What do we need to know? God is not playing hide and seek. That's good. God is not playing hide and seek. He's not a God that's transcendent and far off, way out there, someone that we just cast prayers into the cosmos and hope he hears us. Like, God is intimate. He's imminent. He's with us. God is with us. And we see this in Christmas. Like, God is with us. He's not playing hide and seek. I think of two verses, Jeremiah 29, 13, and 14. Jeremiah 29, 13, and 14 says this. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God's looking at us and asking us, saying, seek me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I love Jeremiah 29, 13 and 14. Another one is Matthew 7, 7, and this is it. A lot of you have heard this, says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. Like, Jesus is not playing hide-and-seek. God is not playing hide-and-seek with us. In fact, he gives us the other challenge, and the other one is to seek me, to look for me, because I want to be found. Knock, the door will be open. God is not playing hide-and-seek. We've been given his Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is here to what? To guide us to direct us, to teach us. He's not far off, he's with us. And as Christ's followers, his Holy Spirit comes and resides in us and changes us and directs us. Like we don't have to go seek for God. God is with us as followers. We have the promise of the Holy Spirit. What's our job? Open scripture and ask. Open scripture and ask. As, as you, tomorrow morning and maybe even this afternoon as you open up that scripture, say, God, I know you're with me. What do you want to show me? And you, we begin to put our heart and our hand and our body in a posture that says, God, I want to receive, I ask. What else is our job? 
Well, to go about our day and to do the same thing. To ask in every single moment, God, what are you doing right now in this place and in this space as Christ's followers, his Holy Spirit's guiding and teaching us. God is not far off hoping that we'll get our day right if we just roll the dice. No, God's with us and he's saying ask and seek as you open scripture, as you go about your day, ask. And our job is to seek God in the mundane and in the magnificent. Like little Christ followers, as we go through our day, we're seeking God. You know, one of, the, one of the coolest things that we do at Church Project, I think, is Imago, and, and that's a lot in part because of the Doherty's and because of Ryan's leadership in the Imago, and what have we been doing for the last few years? All, many of you have given an Imago. We, we've been going through our days, and then one, one point, you know, during our week, we, we're drinking some water like this at our work, and we go, man, this water tastes good, and we begin to see God in this bottle of water and all the mundane little objects throughout our life. Like we're seeking God in everything and that is, our fo- that is our job as Christ followers. And so what do we need to know as we look at this passage? God isn't playing hide and seek with us. First and foremost, God is not playing hide and seek. And why do we need to know that? It's because our worldview is continually under attack. The Bereans, they're, they're, they're said to have noble character, but even them at that time, their worldview was under attack continually, like all of us. Our worldview is continually under attack. Why? Because Satan, because the world, wants to dull our senses and wants us to get lost in the busyness. Can any of you relate right now, as tomorrow's Christmas Eve, how easy it is to get lost in the busyness of life. And little by little, Satan, little by little, the world is trying to just destroy our worldview and change it. Our worldview is under attack. He wants, Satan wants Christmas to be about last minute gifts. He wants us to get so confused today and so confused tomorrow that we're like, oh no, I forgot to get grandpa a present and gets us lost in the last minute gifts and the things that Christmas is not even about. Satan wants, even even out of Christmas season, okay, through our 365 days a year, Satan wants us to get so lost in our busyness and he wants to attack our worldview continually that our work and our vocation simply becomes a paycheck. Why do you go to work? Well, I kinda have a few habits. I like to eat, sleep under a roof, Getting paid's good. That's not why we go to work, but that's what Satan wants to do. He wants to attack our worldview, so we think that work is just about a paycheck instead of the grandness of what work is, like taking hope into dark places and being ambassadors, children of, children of God as we go to our places and spaces. That's the worldview we have as Christians. Work isn't just a paycheck. Work is our mission. It's what we get to do. It's how we get to worship God. We get to see very, very visibly every weekend as Jeremy and the band leads us in their gift, like to worship God. Can you picture yourself Monday morning as you go to work doing the same thing? Because that's what we do everywhere that we go. See, Satan's trying to attack our worldview, even in our work and in Christmas. Like, he's coming in, just like he was attacking the Bereans. He's coming in and trying to get us to focus on us and not on him. I think a good way to point this out is this. Um, Best Buy and TJ Maxx, have you been there? Have you been to those places? 
Those places are crazy, why? Because you go in, you get what you get, and, and then you enter into what I call the impulsive buying aisle. And that's the only way to get to the cash register, right? You have to go through this way, and then you have to turn, there's no way to get out. And you gotta go through this way, and there is just junk and stuff all over the place, like this, man, this back rubber, this is amazing. This is awesome. I didn't actually get that there, but it was, a, it was a present to me and it was a good illustration. But these are the kinds of things that are there. Like, man, I went in to buy a big screen TV and I came out with a back rubber, impulse buying, like right there, gets you distracted and you just walk out going, what happened? Like, that's what Satan wants to do. He wants us in three days to look back and go, what happened to Christmas? He wants us this year to look back and go, what happened to 2018? And he wants to take the significant moments and dull them down. He wants us to impulsively grab this and go there and do this. Satan is after our worldview, people. If he can get us focusing on today, he's won. Or if he could just get us not focusing, he's won. I've, I've, uh, I've said this illustration before, but it's so good. Lewis Carroll's. Lewis Carroll's book, Alice and the Cat, starts with the question. And it's a conversation between a cat and Alice, and it starts with the question, and Alice says, would you please tell me which way I ought to go from here? And the cat replies, that depends a great deal on where you want to get to. Alice then replies and says, I don't care much, or I don't much care where. And then the cat says, then it doesn't matter which way you go. Alice replies and says, so long as I get somewhere. And the cat says, oh, you're sure to do that if only you walk long enough. If we don't know where we're going, all we have to do is walk and we'll arrive. If we don't know what God has for our life, all we have to do is live and we'll look back and go, 2018's gone, I don't know what happened. Christmas is over, and it was numbed, and it was chaos, and it was busy. And like Ryan said, I didn't even love the people I was around. I didn't even focus on who God was. God is love. Like, Christians, this is huge. Question for all of us is where have you been distracted? This year, and where are you distracted right now? And where, where, where are you settling for back rubbers when God has a big screen for you? That's not like a material thing. But I think it's a good spiritual truth. Like are we getting so distracted that we're settling for the mundane when he has magnificence for our lives? Wow. So God is not playing hide and seek. We can see this in this passage. A worldview is continually under attack and what do we need to do? Here's what I propose we need to do, church. We need to yearn for the things of God. Yearn. I mean, I can't think of a better word than just yearn to have a zeal, to have a desire to know the things of God. Psalm 63, verse 1 says this You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Can this be your prayer? that you would yearn for the things of God, that you would thirst for him, 
that in the areas of our life where it's dry and parched, you would say, God, please speak to these dry and parched areas of my life. And I would ask this. Has it been a long time since you would say, I've yearned? I've yearned for spiritual truth. I've yearned to reflect God more clearly with my life. I've, learned, I've yearned for the Holy Spirit to come in and convict me and change the areas where I'm not saying, God, you're Lord of my life in this area. As Christians, our challenge should be that God would be the Lord of every aspect of our life. The places and spaces that we go, our habits, our thoughts, everything that we do. When was the last time you said, I yearn for the things of God? I remember this about once a year in my cheesy ways of doing illustrations, and that's about Halloween time when candy corn comes out. Every year when candy corn comes out, I'm like, I remember why I like this season so much. I can't quite remember how candy corn tastes because I can't get it any other time. But on Halloween, when I pop in that first taste of candy corn, I'm like, yes, it's back. It floods me. I'm like, yes, I remember the taste of candy corn and how awesome it is. So next year, buy me a bag of candy corn. And I say that because this, even in this place right now, if we answered and said, I'm not yearning for the things of God. Like it's been so long since with all my heart I've really wanted to seek God and say, God, come into my dry and parched lands. It's been so long. All it takes is one taste of that candy corn and all those feelings and thoughts are gonna come back. All it takes right now in this place, if you're saying, I'm walking through a desert, I'm dry and parched, it's been a crazy long time since I've yearned for anything of God, in this moment, you literally can say, God, I yearn for you, and begin to watch and see how God rebuilds you from this point forward. His spirit is new, his, 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 his life is new and afresh every day in our life. Let's not look back in deep regret and how we've not yearned and how we've done this or that. Let's be alive in this moment and say, God, in this moment, right now, right here, I yearn for you. I wanna hear you more clearly. And I wanna reflect you with all aspects of my life. And this is good. May this be our prayer. May this actually be the declaration over our life, not just the prayer, May it be our declaration that I will yearn for the things of God. I will yearn for those. Church, life is so fast. And as Christ followers, I want to remind us, we are not in a hurry. It's good to linger. It's good to slow the pace down. And you know what? It's good to be bored. I give you permission this week to be bored. I give you permission tomorrow to show up at church project for our Easter, for not our Easter, our Christmas Eve service. That life is really fast, man. Show up to our, our, our Christmas Eve services in your pajamas because you were just like, you know what? I wanted a slower pace today. Come on! Let's linger. Let's wait. Let's ask. Let's seek. Let's knock on the door. Let's yearn for the things of God, for the things that matter, for the things that God said, here's the worldview that we should have, not what the world's trying to show you. 
So God isn't playing hide and seek, church. Our worldview is under attack continually, and we need to yearn for the things of God. And why do we need to do this? It's to have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is what we're seeking after every single day. Look at this passage that we just came out of. There's a few things that really jump out at me at this passage. And if you look in verse 10, it says, as soon as it was night, In Acts 17, verse 10, as soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea, and on arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now, the Berean Jews were, what does your Bible say? Because mine says this. It says, they were of more noble character, the Berean Jews, than those in Thessalonica. For they received the message, that's good, with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. And as a result, you see in verse 12, many of them believed. Amen. Like here it is. They were of more noble character. Why were they of more noble character? Because it was a result that they were of more noble character because it was a result of them receiving the message. So their character was directly impacted and affected and set on a pace of being more noble character because they re, it was a result of receiving the message that was brought to them. Church, this is us. This is our challenge to us. See, every day, God is bringing the message into our life. Every day, whether it's scripture, whether it's podcasts, whether it's the sun coming up, whatever it is, his Holy Spirit is moving in our life and bringing the message to us. The question is, are we gonna yearn for him enough that we receive that message and the result of that message being received is that we are men and women of more noble character? May that be said of us. The Bereans were of more noble character because when the message came to them, they eagerly accepted it. And specifically in this passage, if you'll see, after Paul spoke, what did they do? Day in and day out. They went to their scripture and they sought it individually to make sure that what Paul was saying was true and accurate and good. Like they eagerly longed for the things of God. And church, I hope you do the same. I hope you just don't take my word for this. I hope that when I stand up and speak on Sunday mornings that something will stir in you and you'll go home and you'll open the scripture to make sure that what I'm saying is true and lovely and right and that we're each getting busy with our own faith and working it out. And if we do that as the results of the Bereans, then we will be men and women of more noble character. And that's what I want. Is that what you want? And what does that mean? being men and women of more noble character, means we have the mind of Christ. And if we have the mind of Christ, we're gonna think differently. We're gonna see things differently. We're gonna be innovators and instigators with fresh concepts. Everywhere that we go, we're gonna see things differently. We have a new way of thinking because we have the mind of Christ which is foreign to the world at large. That's our desire, is to have the mind of Christ. And if we have the mind of Christ, 
Check this out, our brands are gonna be better. Maybe you're a brand agent and you're building a company. Your brand is gonna be better, why? Because you have the mind of Christ and you're gonna see things differently. Maybe you're a designer, then our designs will make more sense and they will be more efficient, why? Because we have the mind of Christ and we see things differently. Like the world has a limited perspective, but not us. When the message is given to us and we seek it, eagerly seeking it, then we will be men and women of more noble character and have the mind of Christ to see things differently. That's what's said of the Bereans. Is that what you want to be said of you? That's what I want to be said of me. Our kids will be leaders in all areas. Why? Because we will have trained them with the mind of Christ to the things of God. They will be trained from a young age to be men and women that are seeking God. They will be of more noble character. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is alive and active. And as we eagerly seek that, his word will change us. Our minds will be renewed, our hearts will be softened, and we will change the world. In a very real way, when we do this, we become ambassadors setting up earth like it is in heaven. That means when we go to home, we're saying, God, how is heaven set up? And I want my home to be set up like that. When we go to our workspace, God, what would this workspace look like in heaven? Because you're bringing heaven to earth and I'm nothing more than an ambassador. And so may I set up that workspace to look like it would in heaven. God, what would this relationship look like in heaven? It wouldn't be broken, would it? What do I need to do to mend this relationship? God, 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 that's what we do. We go through our day saying, God, we are an ambassador of you setting up earth as it is in heaven. May that be our prayer. May that be what we do. May that that be what we desire. And it all starts by having the mind of Christ, receiving the good news when it comes, letting it impact us and change us as we yearn for more of him with all of our being. Now I'm super old school Christian, I've been around the block a few times. I mean, DC Talk was legit way, way back in the day. Are they still, are they still a thing? Random fact, and don't hold this against me. Actually, I, I, you may think better of me because of this. In college, I tried out for the dance team for DC Talk. <laughs> for real, it was amazing. They're, they're from Liberty University where I was going to college. I'm like, I'm gonna try out, why? <laughs> I couldn't dance. I mean, I'm white. I can't dance, right? But I did. I was a wrestler. I had a backflip. I could do a backflip because when you're in wrestling, you train to do a backflip. So when you win state, you do a backflip, right? So I had a sick backflip and I never got to use it in high school. Dang it, man. I'm not a flan again. Dang it. But here's the deal. No, it's too late now, Mike. (laughs) Homie ain't got a backflip anymore. But I was like, listen, I just know I got to close this dance routine out really well. So I did like the white man thing for a while. And then right at the end, I did a backflip like this is going to seal the deal. Obviously, I didn't get the gig, but I tried out for it, okay? Because I'm just that old school. 
And so some of you, um, this, this will take you back a few years, but I was even um, this morning listening to this song, thinking, God, how can I help us just kind of remember this message a little more today? And it broke my heart. Like the words to this song, the passion behind this song, though old school, is just right on. And so John, if you would just kind of hit those lights. May this be our prayer May this be what we desire as Christians to just yearn for the things of God so we will be men and women of more noble character that has the mind of Christ and sets up earth as it is in heaven. So Elijah, would you play this and crank this up for us? Thank you, sir. Thank you. 